0: Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now.
1: Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa.
2: Welcome back to Giant Size Heroes. This is number 28, and we're getting into everything we didn't have time for this week on Collider Heroes. I'm Amy Dallin.
3: I'm Corey John Rowe.
2: And first up, we have a whole lot of discussions that came out of an interview that Kevin Feige did uh, with an awards chatter podcast for The Hollywood Reporter, I believe. Uh, in which, just to make Coy real happy, right <laughs> off the bat, we're still talking about Scorsese.
3: Uh, I've done three shows today.
2: Yeah. Two just, of those three shows
3: have talked about Scorsese. Really? Five oh my gosh. of the last six weeks of news have talked about Scorsese. I thought. I didn't think I'd say the word Scorsese this much until he died. I don't want <laughs> oh him to die. God. But like, you know, I didn't think he'd yeah. ever be this much of the news.
2: Yeah. It's it's been a long protracted experience. Uh but essentially surprising no one, Kevin Feige said some reasonable, good hearted stuff. You it's know, like w- Kevin what did we think Feige. was gonna happen? Like
3: <laughs> Real good at talking, real yeah. good at being diplomatic. Yeah. Real good at leading. Yeah. He did all that. Yeah. Uh I also I disagree with none of what he said. I also think that uh I think that we're nearing the end of this. I said it last time, two weeks ago, but I feel like now with Feige saying something, it's it's we've gotten Marvel's official statement, so yeah. to speak. Like
2: somebody, uh, <sighs> somebody compared this to I, I, many years ago. Now there was like a, a at some point, a Roger Ebert, a, like bless his memory, as, was basically said something at some point being not into video games as an art form. Okay, um, and it was like just a roiling. How can we take ourselves seriously when this person whose judgment we respect don't love this thing? Doesn't love this thing that we love, but right. but we're defending his right to have an opinion, and he's obviously cherished. And somebody online yesterday was like, "This feels like that all over again," uh, but for MCU fans, and it's like, "Oh, that's pretty much dead on." Oh yeah, like
3: but the news cycles back then wouldn't have been able to keep asking everyone ever because the internet allows for the more internet was just a lot
2: of talking. I, I don't think they got a lot of people's viewpoints on that one. Yeah, like I
3: feel like ever like the best boy on Avengers Three is gonna get asked soon like, so
2: what did you think hey if you were the best boy in Avengers 3 call us uh, please we wanna know your us, opinion yeah
3: please do call in we'll discuss your take and also what was it like being the best boy in Infinity War <laughs>
2: Uh, so we got a lot of other great stuff in this interview. Uh, he casually said the Disney purchase was the best thing that ever happened to us. Um, but in terms of what he meant there, it was just an interesting, like, take on their history. He's doing, like, an overview on Marvel Studios. And being purchased by Disney let, gave them the freedom to take a lot of chances. Um, that they had originally, it was just an interesting tidbit. They had originally seen that first Avengers movie as their finish line, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, with Iron Man as the start, the big question was, can they pull it off? Can they make a comic book universe that people take seriously? and can they jam these different styles together in one movie? A thing that at the time did not seem like a foregone conclusion. Uh, So, yeah, that that was just an interesting, like... And still isn't. (laughs) I would argue
3: that the foregone conclusion of being able to do that ever again, you know? Like, I don't (sighs) see another Endgame happening, ever. Ever. I don't like, I think we'll get at event movies, but I don't think we'll ever see something that. The the first Avengers movie was four years of lead up, right? Mm. 2008, 2012. So four years of build up to that movie was insane, but now we have movies coming out three and four times a year. And building to something like Avengers, I think. I think it's going to be unique even in the future, much less the past. I think it's it's forever going to be a flash in the pan. Holy crap, that happened.
2: I'm very curious, yeah, because there's much about it that can't be replicated, especially as certainly the, like, the unexpectedness of them pulling it off literally can't be replicated. Um, other interesting – it certainly is a green light to think ambitiously. Yeah. Um, I, I assume that, like – there's probably not a direct line between a 20-movie buildup for Endgame and a 20-year production for the Mary Louie Roll Along movie, um, but it certainly is, you know, it, it is a a point in favor of unreasonable ambition.
3: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: and that's fun. I that always, could bear fruit.
3: I think I'd like to think I am always unreasonably ambitious. Like, <laughs> I, yes, please. Uh, uh, I also think that the X-Men is the next thing that's going to do it. I think the X-Men is going to be a big team-up. I think I think the big X-Men event movie is going to be like a major villain. We're going to have smaller X-Men stuff leading to it.
2: See, that's interesting because that story area presents different issues because the X-Men are tied to group identity in a way that, say, Tony Stark isn't. Right. Um, that's part of the core of their story. Um, so you can begin it with any number of individual stories and storylines. But a sense that it ties into something greater than itself is inherent to the X Men story, uh, and so that's one argument in favor of beginning with a group.
3: I think they'll begin with a group. I think it's going to be a team movie, and, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be this team here, this team here. Like I feel like it's going to be, I think Generation X, uh, you know, flavor uh, X Men flavor X Factor. But launching flavor. those
2: all at once seems Not like all at once. Okay, I'm
3: saying like over the course of ten years, we'll build to a movie that's going to be teams teaming up. Like, I, I think you're going to have – I hope we have a Storm solo movie, as you know. Yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be team movies and solo movies. Those things are going to be mutually exclusive. And then team-team movies are going to be the next big event because what's bigger <laughs> okay. than – Okay,
2: you're kind of selling me on uh, – like, uh I th- this is un- – uh, but I'm going to I'm gonna pull a coy and just commit wildly to an idea I just tinfoil had. hats. Yeah. It's going on. Uh, you could, theoretically. I don't know that this is a good idea. But the entire structure of Giant Size X-Men number one is like X-Men Go Missing – Uh, recruit a bunch of people to save them from around the world, and each of those people gets like a two-page perfect origin story, you could literally make an X-Men movie, have them be lost at the end of it, do five solo movies, like a Storm movie, a Nightcrawler movie, a Wolverine movie, a Colossus movie, and then have them all recruited to be the rescue team. That's exactly what I'm saying. And it's so dumb, but it could work.
3: It's so right there. You meet them, and then you have your origin movie after the fact, so you fall in love with them more, so when you have the team-up movie, it's bigger. It's right there.
2: I, don't, I, it's my own idea, and I don't know. It's very stupid, but I would really watch it. I, I don't, would
3: be there in a heartbeat. You <sighs> meet the original team, or something akin to the original team. Something happens with Krakoa, which is popular again now because of the new X Men stuff, <laughs> and then on Krakoa, that's how it ends. I like years ago on Screen Junkies, I pitched the origin movie being one act. Old X-Men, OG X-Men, and then the second act, everyone disappears, so you're dealing with the scouting. And then you have the escalation of the third act, and then it ends on a cliffhanger, and now adding your idea of solo movies.
2: I don't know. I'm kind of into it. Uh, I'll think it through later. Uh, We did get a very interesting quote out of this interview that I I don't want to oversell it. Uh, but there has been an interesting – the more we learn about the behind the scenes of the Disney interactions, uh, one one thing that had often been floated based on some of the email leaks a few years ago and, and other sources uh, was the idea that some kind of ostensibly business-minded uh, opposition from Marvel head Ike Perlmutter had something to do with how long it took to get, for instance, a female-led or person of color-led Marvel movie made. And mm-hmm. that has been one of those – I have tended to resist that explanation as being too simple and too obviously something I would want to be true. You know what I mean? Like, be skeptical of claims that that make you happy, which is like, Kevin Feige's been secretly fighting behind the scenes to get this to happen for 10 years. I'd love to believe that, right. which makes it seem too easy. Yeah. Uh, now, apparently... There is at least some element of truth to this, uh, because when asked of Paul views on diversity had to do with the change of, stru- of leadership where Feige a few years ago in 2015 was spun off to answer directly to Disney instead of to the traditional structure, Feige said, that's part of it. There's a lot of sides to the story. You can pick up Bob Iger's book, The Ride of a Lifetime, to learn more. I highly recommend it. But it made sense at that time. We had made 10 movies or more that managerially. There was another way to go. Which feels like a sweet and polite way of saying, Yep. I, I, those, those elements of, I'm worried it won't work, I get where those people were coming from, and I'm glad I get to do this different thing. And, the, you know, the truth is, I'll never know exactly how that all went down, but I was struck by that. What do you think?
3: Uh, I think it's been really clear that it was that cut and dry. Like, you can see the moment in the MCU where the thing yeah. changed. And, like, I... The have opens. Yeah! And we also got Iron Man 3, which shows <laughs> the other side of things. How good that movie would have been if it had the villain that Shane wanted. How great that movie would have been if... I mean, that
2: movie was pretty great.
3: It was pretty great, but it would have been even better. Like, the moments I don't like were so clearly shoehorned in. So Mm -hmm. it would have been even better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we might not have had Killian inexplicably breathe fire. (laughs) Uh, So things like that really show me where Ike Perlmutter's head was and uh, up his ass. And where (laughs) it could have been in the future. So to me, we now live in a much better age for it. And I love the fact that we have Kevin Feige quasi-publicly stating what we've all thought was true was true. And it's – the Marvel movies are so big – and pardon me, Martin Scorsese – and so important to cinema that Marvel taking a stand and including people that look different and people that act different than the societal norm of the 50s – is a benefit for cinema it's a benefit for movie making it's not just a benefit for the marvel movie it's not just a benefit for the quote coastal elite. It makes the world better. I mm-hmm. want everyone to have someone that looks like them on the screen I, on the screen. I want everyone that has someone that has their orientation on the screen and if you just have like six white dudes and one girl. In your movie, it's going to be a problem. So that was the Ike Perlmutter method, and it got us very far. It Like, the first ten movies of the Avengers franchise were magnificent and so important, but that would not have lasted another ten. That would not have lasted another twenty with the way Kevin Feige is restructured and the way he's able to do stuff because he thinks better than most people. We now have movies that don't feel the same and never will. So thank you, Kevin Feige.
2: Yeah, big thanks. Whatever, whatever the truth is of how we got here exactly, uh... Uh, which, uh, which it seems likely that our theories on are pretty close to reality. Real glad we're here. Make him pope. Be- because, I, I mean, again, apologies to Scorsese, but like, I, there's there's nothing safe and non-risk takey to me about handing Taika Waititi Thor 3 and letting him turn it into an anti-imperialist fable <laughs> and cast yes. Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. That worked out great. Uh, so, more of that is what they want to give us and what we are down for. Uh, let's see. Next up, I, Koi, you're calling whether we want to handle this one, but people might want to look into this. Todd Phillips has given an official answer to a spoilery question about Joker.
3: Well, the movie's about to cross a billion dollars. Yeah. So I feel like the spoilers are just fine. And it because is, I
2: think, officially the most profitable comic book movie. It the most mass- profitable
3: <laughs> comic book movie.
2: Which just means it didn't cost much to make, but is a real thing.
3: I mean, like, a billion dollars. Like, just so much I money. can't even, like... Small countries could be bought and sold for less than the Joker has profited. It's <laughs> insane. Uh, so whatever producers worked on that, good for you. Um, but the the answer to the question is very interesting um, because it does take away some of the nuance. Um, I think we should let him find it. So go, okay. to C- go to see If you are com. curious,
2: there is now an official answer from Todd Phillips uh, in his capacity as co-writer and director uh, to the Z Beats question. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that... I'm surprised by his decision. I will say, yes, I'm surprised by his decision to issue a statement on this, since it certainly seemed as if they deliberately left it out. Right. So that's Uh why
3: I want people to deliberately seek it out if you so choose.
2: Uh, All right. So in another surprise, after hearing from Robert Downey Jr. himself that he did not want to be submitted for Oscar for Tony Stark for Endgame, uh, surprise, he's on there after all.
3: I love that they're like, you know what, Downey, you did too good. You're too you're too meager about it. Like you did great. You're now, getting an Oscar, kid.
2: Here's my weird takeaway from this. I guess this movie had no main characters. It doesn't. Because it's just weird because there are like 11 nominations on here, maybe 12. I don't know. I didn't actually count them uh, on the official submission of like and this is the initial movies say, please consider us. This is not a short list for anything. It just indicates the studios being like we are getting behind this talent. Should you yeah. wish to nominate them for things, which is why you see so many names on this list? Uh, But the list is, it's entirely in the best supporting categories for both actor and actress. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Hemsworth, Jeremy Renner, Josh Brolin, Paul Rudd, Don Cheadle. And for best supporting actress, Scarlett Johansson, Gwyneth Paltrow, Zoe Saldana, uh, Karen Gillan, and Brie Larson. All, All of those people are on their long list of perhaps you might want to consider the exceptional work done by these folks. But the thing that really jumped out at me is that every single person in that movie was a supporting actor.
3: I love that. It shows like a camaraderie. It shows that they're all, like, they're all with each other. It's, a, it's an Oracle ensemble film. Oracle
2: calculation that they have a better odd in the supporting actor category than the main ones – but,
3: but do you guys, the internet, do you hear that switch? For once, I was the optimistic one, and cold and calculated was Amy Dollan. She
2: saying. went business when
3: I went great moral compass. I'm just saying it had to happen once. Uh,
2: but I actually love, go on with the explanation, because there is something fascinating and sort of poetic about the idea team. of an all supporting ensemble. They support each other. It's a team. <laughs> they're the Avengers. It's in the name.
3: They're supporting each other. I love this because like, one all of them when they talk about each other they do it with doe eyed love yeah. and two I like the idea that they're not saying anyone was above each other in this cast because no one was it was truly a joint effort film and they all support each other and uh, I think it's beautiful and I also think that it 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 shows what a family that team became I think it's really cool
2: yeah but uh, also
3: you know cynically you know, maybe the best actors going to Joaquin Phoenix so they don't want to compete or whatever
2: oh I guess that that's a good point like I I it does seem like logically. While Tony Stark is an important obviously part of that movie, and several people have very moving plot lines, there is not one character with the bulk of the screen time, so in that sense, it makes sense. I've often been surprised in the past by where these nominations end up, uh, but I just thought that was a really interesting Avengers assemble and support each other. On
3: the other side, uh, Ford versus Ferrari, both Matt Damon and Christian Mayer are going for lead actor, which is going to split the vote, which is very tricky and dangerous to do, so that is how things can go. I don't think either of them is like, screw that guy. I just think the studio was like, they're both the leads, and now everybody's like, what do you want?
2: Well, it's it, it happens in theater all the time. Yeah. The Tonys are very frequently like uh, you know multiple people in the same production competing in the same category. Yep. Like a- a-
3: Emmys too, like TV, because yeah. that's more screen time and plays. where There's more time, you know, to, to spread that out. So I imagine it's really difficult. And You see, like this is up, up, this is us is up for like six nominations, and it's like a <laughs> bunch of lead actors and actresses. It's like,
2: all right, well, uh, so. Departing from the Marvel DC Juggernaut Fights, uh, you could go check out some indies. There's a boom comic called The Unsound, which is apparently going to be coming to us, directed by David F. Sandberg.
3: He made a little movie. Uh, It's called True it is. Uh, did you exquisite.
2: enjoy it, Koi? I rather liked this Shazam <laughs>
3: picture. I uh, I rather think they did excellent work on Shazam. It is the movie I did Koi the saw most Shazam press on like seven times. Ever. yeah, I like toured with the movie. I was like a I was like a almost famous Band Aid groupie with the Shazam movie. Um,
2: Koi is legally adopting several of the children.
3: I I must. They're fantastic.
2: They are good
3: kids. Uh, Asher, I, like I'm actually now friends with the angels. Like the, the Asher's family, we're all like Facebook friends. We talk. <laughs> Because I saw them all over the country. I saw them in New York and Hawaii and L.A. And, like, I'm friends with Asher Angel's whole family. They're fantastic. So, yes, Asher, it's good to see you, son. Um, (laughs) But I I think David F. Sandberg's perspective on superhero filmmaking is very fresh and very necessary. Uh, He was basically trying to make an Amblin film and did, I think. So I like the idea of someone with his sensibility diving at an indie property because – it's how people find comics they might not have normally read. And it's also very, very important material. Like, I, I – I And he's don't... back
2: in his horror home turf on this one. Mm-hmm. And it is also interesting, as we watch the changes in the industry, uh, Boom had long had some kind of setup, I think, at Fox – And we heard about a couple of their books under their Archaea line, uh, a couple of their deals that were no longer happening, like when we lost Lumberjanes in development and when Mouse Guard wasn't happening. Um, And this, I believe, is the first or one of the first new deals to emerge, uh, post-merger stuff potentially affecting, like, Boom as an independent comic book company, but with a longstanding deal with one of the the big studios. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's cool that this means they're back on track. I don't see the creators' names on, like, the producing side of this, but hopefully they're There's some involvement there. Uh, That's one of those, you never know how these things work. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I just thought this was cool, and you all should be aware. I haven't read the Unsound yet, so I can't comment on the specifics, but it's good as heck.
3: Hell yeah. Now (laughs) we will. See see what happens?
2: (laughs) Uh, So, we got little, tiny teeny bit of news on the suicide squad uh people were asking james gunn questions i believe on instagram and they asked if peter capaldi uh aka the doctor uh has a cameo or a big role in the suicide squad and the official word was he has a big role now mm. is james Gunn trolling us or Probably. is that literally true who knows
3: it's literally a 50-50 chance. Like, I, I know no more from this quote because I could see James Gunn saying it literally when he dies in the beginning. Or it's true. And that's the magic of James Gunn's humor.
2: I am going to say that I think it most likely, like, two-thirds chance this means he does, in fact, have a substantial part. Uh, because it just – it if it's a – if truly a wait-and-see, James Gunn would probably be fine being like wait-and-see. Um, Fair. Uh, because that would be sort of more fun than the very, like – it's not even a fun troll to say he has a big role and then kill him. It just seems like, oh, okay, that's, sure. I, I, that's a thing you can do. Yeah. Um, uh, so it seems safe to me to bet that there will at least be some interesting stuff for him to do. But who knows? Maybe I'm falling for it. Maybe this is what he wants me to think. Thanks, James Gunn. Uh, Mischief.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, that's my. that's where my bet goes on that one. We got a couple more... Uh, we're gonna cover it because they're new information. She's
3: um, gonna say the two words you don't say on the internet.
2: Well, uh, we got some interesting new releases from the, uh, un the deleted scenes from Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, we got a photo of Iris from a scene that, uh, we did not see, obviously, because we did not end up seeing Iris West in the movie. And we got an interesting sort of, like, uh, shot posted by Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, uh, with what seems to be an in-character reflection of a scene that would have revealed something about his mom in that movie. Uh, so those were both cool, and you should seek them out if you are interested in this material.
3: Both are on CBR.com. Uh, and I also want to say, Kiersey Clemens not... Being in Justice League still hurts. Uh, she's such That's a That's the
2: other reason I went ahead and put them on this news because it's fun to talk about Kirstie. is like
3: she's doing a movie with Alex Shipp right now, and there like are very few people. What's the movie? I don't know. I literally saw a picture of them together on a set, and I was like, "What?" Um, <laughs> and you tried to
2: buy tickets, and I was like, "Can I?" Like, Where's the link? Fandango. Link. Fandango.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, Vanessa Hudgens was posting pictures of uh, Kirstie and Alex, and uh, I worked with Kirstie on a short oh, uh, shoot, the seven years ago. Uh, it was right before she said she did Dope because we're both hip-hop heads, and we talked about uh, the next movie she was doing, and I was like, you're doing a 90s hip-hop movie? That sounds awful. And then dope is one of my favorite movies in that year. Um, <laughs> but Kiersey is one of the rare people that you meet and are instantly like, oh, you're the best. She's just like, her energy is fantastic. And then I met Alex Ship, and she is also the best. So uh, the whatever project they're doing automatically has my money because Kiersey and Alex are just... Real life superheroes and the fact that Alex doesn't get to be Storm anymore and the fact that Kiersey didn't get to be Iris is – I only hope it means they get to be bigger parts later. I only hope it means they get to lead some stuff because they just deserve the world. They're both so freaking rad. So to see this picture of Kiersey as Iris uh, bums me out that she didn't get to be her but also maybe now she can play someone else in D.C. like Naomi. I don't know. I don't
2: know. Just saying.
3: Just saying she'd kill it.
2: But, Everybody, read Far Sector. So um, that's not Naomi, but it's by the same artist. That's the mental link there. Uh... <laughs> So, we will get to comics in a bit. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we got some TV news this week. Uh, We have a new trailer uh, for DC Universe's animated Harley Quinn. Standard, uh, you know by now, but I'm never going to feel good not saying it. I work for them, and I love them very much, and I have a great time over there, and we have a trailer for the new series. Coy, did you get a chance to check it out?
3: I am very excited for Harley Quinn. (laughs) I I rarely speak ill of things, as you know, Mm -hmm. but the Big Bang Theory hurt. Me,
2: it's such a and uh, it's, it's a complicated legacy, and this show's
3: got is the legacy of a culture that I very much appreciate in horrible ways. So I'm very excited to see the actress uh, in a new light. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited for Harley Quinn because I don't like to dislike anything. So and the I'd main like,
2: voice for Harley is Kaylee Cuoco, who was one of the leads of Big Bang Theory, just to fill in the pieces of why Koi is making that connection, in case you had not known.
3: Very excited to see her in a new light and therefore like her more because I don't understand why Big Bang Theory exists. So uh, very excited for Harley Quinn, and it looks like it really understands the tone of this version of Harley. Harley Quinn is one of those characters that's so multifaceted. I'm excited to see a new take.
2: I like the character designs. I'm very curious to see what the show's going to be like. Uh But, yeah, we got also this week a Crisis teaser. It was like 30 seconds, but I had to talk about it because it's cool.
3: Uh, I also want to just, while we're talking Crisis, uh, Kevin Smith is doing an after show. And, yeah, what, have what, you heard what, this? what?
2: What? What, what? What? What, what? what, CW is doing an what, what, official coin? after show
3: with Kevin Smith. How
2: did I miss this?
3: Talking twice. Once after Flash, once after Arrow. Official after show with Kevin Smith.
2: Wait, there's just two out of five?
3: Uh I Two out of five of Kevin. I don't know if they're going to do all five, but Kevin's doing two of them.
2: Oh, my God.
3: I'm gonna see if uh, this is public because I might have just fucked up.
2: Because <laughs> since you didn't know about
3: it, I'm wondering if it's
2: like a thing. It's, there's a chance that I just missed it.
3: Uh, I'm hoping so. We're gonna see. Hold We're gonna see. For a but second. theoretically, uh, it, just talking about crisis in general, very exciting stuff. Uh, but I believe that maybe, maybe, maybe you'll see. This is me on air. You know. Oh, okay, good. It's public. Whew. Crisis and Infinite Earths with Kevin Smith doing an after show. I thought I saw it tweeted that I was just like, if Amy didn't know, and literally
2: sometimes I miss things. But like,
3: you're you're pretty tapped in. So that was just a full like May Day.
2: Uh, I...
3: Crisis and Infinite Earths doing an after show. Kevin Smith gonna be fantastic. Uh,
2: That's wonderful. I'm sorry for the heart attack <laughs> I just gave you.
3: Well, because it's like it'd be like if because this is basically Endgame for DC. Yeah. So it'd be like if uh, there was a Russo brothers after commentary, and I'm just yeah. like casually like, oh yeah, of course you know about the Russo. Oh, no.
2: (laughs) So I know we didn't even get to today uh, on the show, but my other favorite thing is that uh, that was a surprise to me about Disney Plus. The commentary. I had no idea.
3: No, no, I don't think anyone did. including I, I,
2: deleted scenes, and incredible. extras, and traditional home video features on the streaming service, which feels like a head explode revelation. It, it is galaxy be... brain Disney Plus.
3: Thank you for <laughs> making a DVD extra somehow exciting. Like I miss commentary so much.
2: Well, and and they are such a natural fit. Like I'm, I'm obviously any extra version of whatever you put on there enhances. The load on your streaming service, but it has always seemed like it would be such a great call to be like, you have this, it's not taking up shelf space. Let mm-hmm. us have multiple versions and takes of things. This is this could be a thing if you didn't think it would confuse people, and they're like, it won't confuse people, we'll just make a tab and it's called extras. Done. And I like, love it.
3: Why not get extra views? Why not get people that have it in other forms, Like, yes, yes, yes.
2: So excited about that. Okay, we'll get there any second. But uh, so not only did we get a teaser for Crisis with a very interesting lineup of people standing side by side, check that out frame by frame if you haven't. Um, we also got the first five seconds because Stephen Amell is having a good time on social media, and I approve. Uh, and he just literally showed the first five seconds of the the the, the part with the logo credits. What, Cred- is, what am I credits. thinking? Credits. Yeah, that. Credits. <laughs> They credit people. That's They're it. opening credits. The stuff with the words, you uh, know? I am very excited.
3: Uh, I'm going to miss Stephen Amell on social media. Uh, well, he's got to be on social media, but I'm going to miss Stephen Amell with fans yeah. of Arrow. Like, I just love how he handles all of this.
2: And best words tweeted, it's the last week of production this week. Uh, so by the time you're hearing this, they are mostly done. Our hats are off to you, Arrow team, uh, for your incredible accomplishments We are all very excited to see the fruits of your labors.
3: He shared a picture of the last time he put on the suit. And I definitely was like, boh. Thanks for the Arrowverse, Mr. Amell and Greg Berlanti and the other hundred thousand people that make it amazing. But thank Mm -hmm. you specifically, Stephen Amell, for killing it. (laughs)
2: Uh, So... Once again, replay that disclaimer you just heard. (laughs) I am personally very excited to know that Titans from DC Universe is coming back for Season 3. They've been picked up apparently for Season 3, and there's a teaser out saying Fall 2020, uh, which is very exciting because we have a lot more story to get through this season, and I'm excited that there's a future.
3: Uh, I mean, I want a whole Nightwing show, so if that's what Season 3 turns into, probably won't. I mean, it'll be be a part of it, but I'll also take a Nightwing spinoff. I'm very excited. (laughs) Uh, I just think it's great that... (laughs) I just think it's great there's so much content and I don't have time for it like I and honestly I'm not caught up on Titans but it feels really good to know like when I can there's so much there yeah this is just
2: a Titan show waiting for you to watch it
3: and I don't feel guilty now because I was like I'm not helping with views for season 2 but then on season 3 I'm like oh it's doing just fine like this was a relief (laughs) announcement where I was like now I can get to it later
2: Uh, let's see. We have also a 12 minute short on Disney Plus. So, transitioning to Disney Plus talk officially, we got the Expanding the Universe uh, 12 minute special, which is one of my favorite things to come out of Disney Plus because I wasn't sure what that was going to be. I um, mean, I watched it before the show this morning. And here is what makes me really happy about this this, along with the commentaries, was another sort of revelatory. I don't want to oversell it, but it was a huge moment for me watching this because that special is mostly made up of footage from this year's Comic-Con and D23. Mm -hmm. And as someone who was not there for those things but was living through other people's descriptions, beautifully shot, put-together footage from that being available on the Disney Plus streaming service. Look, that could be a fluke, but to me, it signaled, hold on. We can make stuff like this available. We can start sharing these experiences in ways that the rest of us who were not in the room for them get to have that hype and that excitement to actually watch – like, because, you know, I knew most of this information from mm-hmm. hearing it described, but it was so cool to watch back the intros of these actors with a beautiful close-up of uh, Tiana Paris being like, I'm Monica Rambeau! Yeah. It was really good. The electricity comes through because they were well put together and edited. And if you were at or already consumed all those things, you still want to check this out because we got some new concept art. Uh,
3: and a certain dog is in the picture. And Pizza dog! I'm just saying that dog really, That's that was the biggest moment for that whole documentary for yes. me, is that dog. Uh, guys, I cannot wait for the Hawkeye Show. Yeah. Pizza it's like dog. the last
2: one and we're just living for it.
3: It's uh. like 2022. It's so far away. <laughs> like, I, I'll i be so much older then.
2: <laughs> will we even remember. We just will. Just
3: mathematically. I'm just going to be older. That's how time <laughs> that works. That is
2: how time works. It is
3: unfortunate comparing those things. And here we are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> We got some concept art for Agent 13, which I thought was very, very cool. Sharon Carter suiting up for uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon.
3: I love that they're showing that so early. Uh, They just started filming, and I think it's great to show concept art before there's a leaked paparazzi photo. Uh, And it's also, like like you were saying, it's a great use of the app. I love – like I I would put money on within the next year – them live streaming con stuff on the on the app, because, like, you can totally make that shared profit because it's in the app, yeah. and, like, it's good for business, it's good for fans, it's good for sharing, it's good for people that can't make it to the cons, because, frankly, it's expensive and it's hard to get to if you yeah. don't live near them. Uh, so it's a perfect opportunity to share that with people.
2: Uh, and and so I think that opens up a lot of intriguing possibilities. Certainly this one being edited and cut down is not something you can do live, but, like, they're Disney, they can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh... So we also this week had more conversations with Kevin Feige. He's all over the place. We con- he confirmed that the Loki series, in addition to WandaVision, will be tying into Doctor Strange 2. Uh, and talked about how the Hawkeye series that we are so excited for grew out of them having the option for a solo movie with Jeremy Renner playing Hawkeye. Um, and Feige says he was totally on board to transform that into the multi-hour epic we will be seeing on Disney+. Uh, but that is one of those interesting things that I frequently forget where, like, if you are one of these actors in one of these deals, you're se- theoretically sitting around for years and they could make a movie with you. But you don't know if they're going to do that, when they're going to do that. It's probably frustrating. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. Uh, I mean, I'll take it. Call. Call us both. Uh, and we will live through this pain for ourselves.
3: I will understand the suffering and stress <laughs> as needed.
2: But I, I I, love the idea of, of – Obviously, I love that the letting it be a serialized multi-hour thing is going to give a lot more space to that story and let us have a lot of Kate Bishop and deal with some of that Ronan stuff. that I still have a lot of ethical concerns with. He should be in jail, but it's fine.
3: I uh, I'm really curious because the, the the I'm not a Star Wars guy. I mean, I'm a casual Star Wars guy. I'm not I'm not like just I'm not uh, a zealot like I am with Marvel and DC mm. uh, and Image now. Um, <laughs> but I I really enjoyed The Mandalorian, which showed me how much. I'm going to lose my mind when there's a Hawkeye show or a Scarlet Witch show or, you know, all these things. And
2: I am a Star Wars person and and we're going to die, Corey. We're going to die.
3: I had so much fun watching the show that I was casually like I got some references, but I'm sure there's 90 I didn't get. So it was really cool to be like, oh, this is like what I would have dreamed of 10 years ago a Star Wars show might be if it had infinite budget. And I got to experience that casually when it's about my world. I, Disney Plus is going to be just so much.
2: It is going to be very interesting. I love to the people who gave a shot to like we – you know, we are huge fans of the Marvel Netflix universe that is now shuttered. Uh, I have enjoyed everything I've seen of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Agent Carter. Uh, they did some great work on those. But I know, Koi, for you in particular, it was always frustrating that you could tell that they were working with such constraints. I um, Yeah,
3: as, as an ex – like I mean I, I've been on so many sets and as an ex-actor, I, I – it's hard, ex-actor. It's a weird term. As someone who used to act more, yeah, uh, you have a background in acting. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard for me to see the actors having to compensate. And like, I totally understand. They did the best they could. And I this is not besmirching a single creator on that show. You guys did incredible work. Definitely. Like, I mean. It's just really hard to know what the movies are getting versus the shows because of the amount of time. And it's really hard to see. I kept thinking of how great Charlie Cox would be on the big screen in a movie that had the proper budget. Yeah. And it's really hard to look at Jessica Jones having to, like, jump out of frame instead of
2: actually see the power. And the traditional trade-off has been you don't get the budget, but you get more time with the characters. So it's uh, Disney Plus settling on a... It's not full 13 or 24 hours of content, um, but it's still more than a movie, and we can still have the budget. It does seem like them being like, yeah. we're going to try both. We're going to try both, and let's see what happens. I can't
3: wait. I'm so excited.
2: Now, some folks will have to wait, unfortunately. I mean, well, not as, like, these MCU shows are going to take a while to get here. Uh, so you should hopefully all have access by the time they do get here. Uh, I did want to shout out, though, if you are listening to this and you are in the following places, the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Italy, or Spain, uh, Disney Plus has officially announced that you will have access to the service starting on March 31st of next year. There's a note that says titles may vary by territory that probably relates Relates to some of this back catalog stuff, where the rights might be tied up in different places. Hopefully, they have worked to make all the major stuff available, uh, and they said that more territories are going to be announced soon. Uh, I know it's it can be so frustrating uh, that access to this stuff is so different by country in an increasingly global world uh i don't know how to fix that and i'm sorry but hopefully we will all get everything soon
3: lawyers (laughs) lawyers are working on it as we speak and i hope you get all the content all the content
2: uh, and I think the last Disney Plus story was uh, even more Marvel films than I expected were available on Disney Plus. And you can see an official list of them they've put around. Uh, various people have gathered. Uh, but, for instance, in addition to Captain Marvel being available day one, Avengers Endgame.
3: Yeah, I did not expect Endgame uh, when I turned on. And, like, they knew. They had Mandalorian <laughs> flipping right into Endgame. I was like, they did it! You crazy sons of bitches, you did it.
2: <laughs> um,
3: so I, I definitely... Did you see that video of me with the... No, what? I like, I, like, shared... I turned on Disney Plus for the first time and had my friend film me, and I just, Aww. like, experienced it live for the first time, and I'm overwhelmed. And then uh, they also filmed me watching the Spider-Man animated series intro, and yes. and I can't put words to quantify the nostalgic warmth and happiness. So I, and I knew heart
2: exploded when I saw the (gasps) X-Men logo, like it did the nineties animated series is my X-Men. Yeah. Uh, And it, uh, yeah, it's, (laughs) Difficult to put into words.
3: I can't wait to go home. I have so much to do, but I know any free time I have will be these beautiful 20-minute chunks of X-Men and Spider-Man.
2: Also, shout-out to Gravity Falls, uh, which finally everyone is going to have access to. Watch Gravity Falls. It was real good. If you missed it, you missed out. But you don't have to because Disney Plus has it. It's forever. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Coy and I have a lot of things to watch forever. uh, And we have a lot of things to read. We have this week's pull list. Uh, if there's anything else we wanted to add, unbeatable score goal fifty for our sector number one. Superman number seventeen. Batman's grave number two. Envision the trade paperback. And then I may have gone a little off the rails because this was an impossible week. Here is the long list I started with uh, of honorary mentions. Uh, there's a new X-Men book which didn't even make our list. Fallen Angels number one is out this week. Punisher Soviet, number one, is out, written by Garth Ennis. Yes. Uh, Folklords, number one, is new from uh, Matt Smith, I think, is the artist, and Matt Kent is writing it, and it's about a guy in a fantasy universe who wears a suit and dreams of, like, like everyone thinks he's a weirdo because he wants to find out more about the world that his, like, regular people suit comes from. I mean, it's so cute, and I don't know where it's going, but that was just in the preview, and I instantly loved it. Linda Berry is an indie comics icon who also does these brain-explodey books about process and your own creativity she's done one called what it is and one called syllabus and she's collected her comics making exercises into a book called making comics which is out this week another one of the hill house horror books launches this week and it's from mike carey and peter gross who are an amazing team that you know from lucifer and from one of my favorite books the unwritten uh they are rolling into a new book called the dollhouse family or dollhouse family and friggin' we're not done yet. Jeff Lemire has a new book. It's called Family Tree. You know you need to get on it. There is a new book called La Voz de Mayo Tatarambo, which is a real world story about the author's I wanna say granddad, um, who was uh, an activist Uh, The oral history of Ramon Jerigue, an orphan and World War II veteran who co founded the Mexican American Yaqui and Others organization, which successfully lobbied the Tucson City Council to improve living and working conditions for members of the Pascua Yaqui tribe, paving the way for their federal recognition. This is one of those incredible real life stories that can be captured and uh, brought to a wider audience so beautifully in comics, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it looks so cool. And it's the frigging 35th anniversary of Usagi Ujimbo. So number six is a tribute expansion of the original first Usagi story. Koi, what the heck?
3: So Amy had some books to recommend this week. What the heck? And uh, I know it's a struggle to uh, you know to have so much glorious content, but uh, I'm really sorry that Disney Plus came out the same week so many great comics came out. And uh, soon we're going to have Star Wars movies coming out, and then next year we're going to have more content coming what out. What are we going to do? I, uh, You know, we need a six-hour podcast, a four-hour show, and then somehow time to watch all the things we talk about. Uh, this week for me, in addition to all the ones you just said, Event Leviathan number six. I
2: forgot-
1: what? Event oh Leviathan
3: God. concludes this week. Um, Black Cat Annual number one. Black Cat number that six cover is. I mean, goodness, it's perfect. Uh, Black Cat number six, the one last week, was so good. Um, it's Felicia on a date with Batroc the Leaper. Sure, It's yeah. Georges St. Pierre wooing Felicia and it's so French and it's so delightful and it's so charming <laughs> and I never knew I wanted that but it's great. Uh, so now I'm really excited for the annual. Uh, we also have this week uh, History of the Marvel Universe Marvel Universe number five. This History of the Marvel Universe book has been crazy. Mm. They've been densely retelling the story but also like adjusting canon to what modern canon is. So it's been really fun for me to read stuff from like the 70s. I'm like, I don't think that's how it went. Uh, maybe I'm remembering wrong. <laughs> (laughs) But it's really funny. They're like, this is actually over there. Uh, So I'm really curious. Number five is like the late 90s, early 2000s. So I'm curious where that feels.
2: Oh, sorry. Speaking Mm -hmm. of the early 2000s, did you see what's on Disney Plus? I'm going to talk about this live because I didn't check with you. Our Runaways. Oh, yeah. Our Runaways. Did we know that was happening? No, because it was one of their headlines. (laughs) Like
3: our Runaways are, they ran away to that show. Like not Hulu, not just Hulu. They're on Disney Plus.
2: I what does it mean? Probably nothing, but maybe.
3: I'm going to infer it means we get more Runaways.
2: God, that would be so good. I didn't see
3: Cloak and Dagger on there. I didn't look. I didn't either.
1: Uh,
3: it was very late. I was up all night <laughs> watching stuff. I'm an, I knew I had to be here at eight thirty this morning uh, for one of five shows I'm doing today. Killing it. And I went to bed at four. So Koi. I got three hours of sleep, and then I'm speaking for 8.30 to 3.30. What is that? Seven uh, hours. I'm speaking for seven hours straight. Uh, anyway, in other words.
2: On the "core Get Sleep train, uh, I'm making an exception for this week and this week only. We will check it again next week. <laughs> uh, one of
3: my friends, I have this thing called Team No Sleep, which is uh, like Zac Efron and The Rock are often talking about how like they just got to do it. Team No Sleep. And one of my friends, whenever I tweet that, she sends me a text that says Team comma no comma sleep in capital <laughs> uh, which is very funny uh, and also my final ones for this week I literally have like 40 books but I also want to plug Morbius is getting a new number Morbius
2: one Morbius from Yo. They are an amazing writer.
3: Very <laughs> confused because I would tie that into the movie, so I'm really curious because they usually launch into number one right when the movie's coming out. Hmm. we got some time. So I'm curious what this number one is and X-Men number two, which means we're on the second cycle of all the crazy Hickman-fueled uh, X-Men stuff.
2: Corey, I've been having so much fun making other people die the way you killed me uh, by pointing out what S-M-E-N. the letter spell.
3: X-M-E-N. It's
2: unreasonable.
3: It's so right I'm so happy. I was so happy that was on air. I'm so glad I saved that for air. Because that's forever. I'm so glad. Uh, So, yeah, there's a lot lot of good books this week.
2: Uh, Yeah. And new books on their way. I thought this was an interesting little story. There is a crowdfunding platform that focuses on sort of smaller, like, they curate what they do specifically. They're called Seed and Spark. And I knew them just for film projects. But they are officially getting into the comic book game. uh, And they are doing a crowdfunding campaign right now for a new comic and they thought, why not, if you're going to start a new thing, why not get, oh, John Leguizamo? I mean,
3: while you're there.
2: Uh, John Leguizamo was creating a, a Latinx superhero with Edgardo Miranda Rodriguez, whose name you might remember because La Kenya won him uh, a humanitarian award, essentially, at this year's Eisner's. And he gave one of the best speeches I have ever seen at the Eisner's. Um, Those two are involved with it. I wasn't clear. I think it's five issues. Then they're crowdfunding it right now. I'm a little, I haven't looked into all of the sort of details there, but I thought that was a pretty cool, you might want to check out. It's called Phenom X. Uh, Not sure if that's how you're supposed to say it. Because I just looked at the campaign, but I haven't watched the video yet. Very sorry.
3: Uh, also, <laughs> Seed and Sparks are a great company. Uh, they yeah. handle their stuff really well. My friends just worked with them on a, on a, a short called Heal, uh, which is a wrestling short directed by my friend Maggie Levin, uh, who is a freaking Titan director. Uh, and it's about, like, the other side of wrestling. And I'm not even a wrestling fan, but I supported it because I love the people in it. And then I got even more excited when I found out how good it was. Aww. So it was really cool to be like, because you're my friends. And they'd be like, because it's great art. And Seed and Sparks has been really communicative. Like, all their updates are really... It's much more hands-on than a lot of the other crowdfunding stuff I've mm. seen. So I really yeah, yeah, like yeah. that that company.
2: So they are uh, – get on board now to check out that mission and uh, get behind Phenom X, which sounds like it's going to be very cool. Uh, and then if there's some – even with all that, I'm sure there's stuff we miss this week. Oh, I, what I didn't really let people know, in case you didn't know what I was talking about when I was hinting about this uh, on the show, Superman 17 is the prologue to the big truth story that is coming at us in Superman 18. But there's sort of a like a wind up period in this uh, issue, which I thought was actually pretty great. Yeah, like I it's clearly it a, a setup issue, but it's good.
3: I sometimes set up like setup issues are necessary. Comics are serialized, so when they're yeah. right, they're
2: right. Yeah, Uh, so you're not going to want to miss this, whatever we think of how this story is going to go down, but this is Bendis at the helm, uh, and honestly, we did get preview copies of this one, and I thought it was great. I liked it a lot. Uh, So I believe we actually have a couple of minutes to talk about some Twitter today. Let's get the Twitter people All right, so we're doing some catch-up on fabulous, fabulous Halloween content. Uh, James C. Ferguson, at Scale Plus Points, uh, hashtagged hashtagged Collider Heroes and said, Our town's park department had a pumpkin decorating contest for Halloween, so we did Spider-Man into the pumpkin-verse. Enjoy! So go surfing through the hashtag or look up at Scale Plus Points uh, from a couple weeks back to find this one. It's super cute. Uh, next up we got Sam something at King Hermes eighty nine said so not sure if this is where we're supposed to drop our Halloween picks. Spider Man, Agent of Shield, Scarecrow, and the Riddler XL. So good. Yeah, really great costumes. Uh, and then the humblest of potatoes at humblest potato. <laughs> incredible at. Uh, Very on brand for our show. We're so glad you're here. Yeah,
3: when I saw that name, I was like, oh, you're already on the pumpkin
2: scale for life. Dressed up earlier, but my bestie and I did casual mix Harley Quinn and Ms. Poison Ivy. And y'all looked fantastic. Uh, So thank you so much for sending us your costumes. You guys make us so happy. Uh, Jocelyn of Bad Wolf Bay 10 says, when do you think is the earliest we'll get any footage from the Disney Plus shows? Hashtag Collider Heroes. Corey, what do you think? Earliest Disney plus
3: Marvel shows, I believe we will get this year's Comic-Con. Some. Really? Yeah.
2: Because they're filming Falcon and Winter Soldier right now, right? Yeah, but th- what's the next event? And then the first one to launch will be what, next fall?
3: Yeah, next fall, so next summer. See, I, think. I
2: feel like we'll get teases this spring. Where? WonderCon?
3: I don't know if is big enough for them.
2: Hmm. I hope
3: so, because WonderCon is one of my favorite cons in the world. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I feel like there's no G23 this year, um, upcoming, and yeah. I feel like Comic-Con, they're doing a lot better job with the events. Like, Hall H this year was insane. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're going to have a Hall H for the revealing that footage. Okay, I could be wrong, but I feel like next fall, so I think, summer's a little late for fall, it's only like two, three months out, yeah. but I can't imagine a platform big enough unless they just do it on the app itself. Which they could. Oh, that's true. Because they have the power now.
2: Yeah, but you want to advertise to people to get Get, on the the app
3: instead of being like, you're already here. (laughs) Right? So, uh,
2: yeah, I guess I'm going to still bet on a teaser of some kind in fall and like proper footage this summer. Uh, But that that would be my my guessing at it timeline. And obviously, because we have like seven different shows, they'll all happen at different times. So they'll probably combine. Like by next summer, we should have substantial looks at Falcon and Winter Soldier Mm -hmm. and more fragmentary looks at some of the others. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so thank you for that wonderful question. Uh, corrections department is the what I called this next one. Uh, we talked about this a bit on the show on Tuesday, but Sunlit Lake and others, thank you for reminding us. That Andy Serkis is English, which I'm pretty sure we both knew and somehow blanked out of our brains. It
3: was – we got the news and that was too overwhelming to think about anything <laughs> else. All I knew was I wanted to talk about it and then I didn't think of context. Yep, British Andy Circus.
2: Yeah. Uh, and bless Emma for being like, no, 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 he's from Middle Earth. You guys are okay. Uh, we, we
3: need her. Thank you, Emma.
2: <laughs> uh, but, yes, please – there was – Very funny, uh, in retrospect, to be like, how did we both have that shared hallucination? Uh, And then Sam something at King Hermes 89 a few weeks ago uh, just got done listening to the last episode of Collider Heroes. Heard some questions about Ed Nashton. Ed's name was retconned to that, to Nashton pre-New 52, to make his name more believable. Nygma was an alias. Love the show. Thank you. I feel so bad uh, for blanking on that fact.
3: Also, I specifically, thank you, Samsung thing, for being the one that said it nicely because there were plenty that didn't. And Aww. I'm like, do oh yeah, there were so many people that were like, why are these people even doing a comic book show if they don't know Ed Nashton's name, blah blah blah, and like the comics are like Man, comic I'm, book noobs and.
2: I must have a, the right people muted because I did not see those.
3: Uh, I I make the mistake of reading YouTube comments. Ah. like Well, a fool. thank you like a to fool. the
2: very nice people out there in the world.
3: Yeah, you're doing it right. So thank you specifically to those that are like, oh, they didn't know one of 100 million things and I can share their information like they share information with us. Thank you. Edward Nashton is now seared in my brain forever. <laughs>
2: Uh, And, let's see, best tweet that we skipped from some time ago uh, was Ben Berkowitz, who sent us dogs of Collider Heroes. Look up hashtag dogs of Collider Heroes, because it's the cutest. Please send us all your pet pictures. Yeah,
3: especially if they're reading soccer. But (laughs) reading anything. But this is real good. Real good content.
2: Yeah. All right. I've been trying to avoid it. And I'm going (laughs) to improvise my list on the spot. But we can't put it off any longer. The sweaty question of the week. Comes from Mulek at iMulek. Hey, Koi, John Dory Enthusiamy with Joker out. Why don't you guys rank the comic book movies of 2019? Really would love to hear your guys' lists. The tweet just says comic books, but I'm assuming you mean comic book movies. Uh, hashtag Collider Heroes. Koi, do you have a list?
3: Okay. I'm trying to remember them all because this year has been insane. It has. I'm going to say as a comic book movie, Endgame's number one. I'm going to say Joker number two. Shazam number 3 What else came out? Captain Marvel number 4 Dark Phoenix number 5 Hellboy 6
2: hmm.
3: Is there other? Is that? Is there more?
2: What else have we seen <laughs> this year? That is a good sounding list. Let me check my facts cuz I forgot to pull up a list of this either. Um Endgame is going to be at the top for me for sure. Uh, Captain Marvel is probably my next up.
3: Uh, Because Teen Titans Go was last year, right?
2: It was last year. Okay, good. There is a – granted, there's Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go, which is not theatrically released as far as I know. But uh, shout out to it. It is one of my top movies ever. It's Uh, so good.
3: Amazing. Okay, good.
2: It's deeply good. Uh, But let's see. I would say – Dark Phoenix and Hellboy are clustered near the bottom for me as well, and I'm putting Joker in a separate category because it's a different kind of movie, and shout out to It for being a different kind of movie, but it is literally impossible to be like, to talk about it in Shazam, because uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it's
3: those six? Is that everything? Am I forgetting anything? I didn't see Men in Black, which is oh, a Marvel Oh, I also comic.
2: didn't see this one. Neither of us saw it, and it's a comic book movie.
3: Sorry uh, for failing you, Men in Black, but it was a very busy season. <laughs> I think that's everything. I feel like there was more, but I'm just I'm blanking.
2: I'm I'm looking this up quickly just to check our memory. I think the rest of it is animated stuff. Okay. Uh, if we are forgetting something, then we will do another round of corrections next week yeah. on the show. Uh but uh I, I think we agree that Endgame is our number one. Yes. Um and poor dear Hellboy probably bring in up the rear, although I which one would you pop in for a rewatch first, Dark Phoenix or Hellboy?
3: Oh no. Uh depends on my mood.
2: They both have characters I love in them.
3: They do, and they both aren't unwatchable. Like yeah. I like they both are both have merits. And I think both... if
2: you watch back our reactions to both of those, in there we had very similar sort of takes where we're like, okay, that part worked.
3: Yeah. I I would rewatch both, but I would have to be in a very specific mood. The brutal violence of Hellboy is a different mood than the comic-y violence of Dark Phoenix. Like right. they're very different animals. So if I was in like a if I was in a beer-mood Hellboy, a whiskey-mood Dark Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, it would depend on the mood.
2: Yeah, so uh, those are those are mine, clustering at the top, middle, and bottom. Uh, thank you for a beautiful year in comic book movies. I am very excited for the stuff that's coming up uh, next. Um, but we also, on the animated front, we got the Reign of Superman, Batman Hush, uh, and Batman Ninja Turtles, because DC is just... Killing it on the animated movie game. Uh, and apparently, Coy and I both missed Men in Black, and I feel bad about that because it is our fault that it did not make any money. We are part at of the box problem. Office. Oh,
3: no. <laughs> Well, on that downer note, I suppose it's as good a time as any.
2: <laughs> Please keep sending your questions. Use hashtag Collider Heroes. We will be doing a better job of leaving some time at the end because we love to hear your questions and see your adorable dog pictures, uh, especially if they're reading Saga. Very
1: important. <laughs> Very important stuff.
2: And until next time, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty.